welcome to the Fairview Alliance Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. Our prayer is that through this message, you'd be encouraged, uplifted, and discover more about a God who loves you deeply and faithfully. If you're interested in finding out more about our community, visit our website, fairviewalliancechurch.com, or visit our Facebook page, Fairview Alliance Church. We'd like to take a moment just to thank you, the listeners, for sharing and subscribing to our podcast. Without you, it wouldn't be possible. Now, prepare your hearts as we tune into this week's new message with our lead pastor, Mario Catalan. We'll share the message concerning a revolutionary way to greatness. If we can go to the Word of God this morning, we'll read in Matthew chapter 20 from verse 20 to 28. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they say to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you, you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thank you, Lord, for your word. This is a passage that comes in a very particular season of the life of Jesus Christ. And as we read this text, I believe that we all live in an ambitious world where we all of us have some kind of ambitions and ambitions they are not per se bad is depending on how we channel them and uh, today we had some ambition one of this was to come here in the presence of the Lord and not to stay in the comfort of our bed and missing the service so Ambitions can be positive or negative. It depends on what we aspire to, what we are looking for. Also, we want to be successful. It's part of our nature. We must ask ourselves, however, what direction we are giving to our lives. How we can define success. Do we define success by the world's standards? Or we define success by God's standards. This is very important for us. There are two ambitions that lies before us, two paths that lead in different directions. One is marked fame, the other one is marked faithfulness. 
And that's why we need to reflect upon the words of Jesus this morning. Because, yes, we desire to be successful and to have meaning and to have a significance. Because there is something in us that is missing. And this brings me back at the reason why Jesus came. He came to save us. He came to give us purpose. He came, us, he came to give us direction in our lives because we lost our directions. This brings me back in chapter 3 of Genesis when we are reading about the fall of our ancestors Adam and Eve. They had in that moment a full significance, a full meaning, full success because they were in the presence of God. They were talking with the Creator daily. Also, they had authority to rule over the creation. So there was no better place to be, but because the fall, because their disobedience, because of their lack of respect to the law of God, the commandment not to eat the fruit of the tree, they lost the significance. They lost their purpose. And since then, mankind is looking for significance, for purpose, and many times try to substitute the presence of God with uh, material positions, with the social status, with uh, reaching uh, some goals in life that will somehow fill the gap that there is in the heart of humankind. Today I have a good news. Jesus is telling us that we can find purpose as we become servants. Jesus is telling us that we are great because the greatness of God is showing in us. Because we were created to His image. So if we have a relationship with him and we accept the plan that he created for us, then our lives will be very meaningful and successful. More we ask God to impress in our hearts his character, more meaningful our lives will become. So this morning, let's look at something that we find in this passage. First of all, Servanthood responds to the demands of following Jesus Christ. As I mentioned before, this event took place at the last week of the life of Jesus Christ. It's recorded both by the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark. In this moment, Jesus is moving from the city of Jericho towards Jerusalem to face the betrayal of his own disciples, the crucifixion, then eventually the resurrection. In that moment, Jesus advised his own disciples that he will be betrayed, that he will be given in the hands of the Romans, that he will be crucified. But the story didn't end there. According to what Jesus said, he will be again alive, resurrected from the dead. And this will bring hope to the heart of those who were following him. So for us, it's important to understand that his death was not closing his ministry, but was the beginning of a new ministry, this time at the right hand of the Father, interceding for those who believe, who believe in him. And today, we can experience that benefit of the ministry of Jesus Christ, because the same Jesus that was walking through the road from Jericho to Jerusalem is the same Jesus that we serve and we pray this morning. It is at the right hand of the Father, praying and interceding for those who believe in Him. And you and I, we have this privilege this morning. And while Jesus is uh, reaching Jerusalem, 
we have this story of a mother who wanted the best for their sons. There is nothing wrong with that. I believe that all the mothers are willing to prepare the best for their children. Salome is taking the advice of their children. Because it's interesting here, Salome was very close to Jesus. Most probably, according to the scholars, was the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And uh, also, Salome was one of the rich ladies to go and minister to the needs of Jesus and his own disciples in many travelings. And many times we plead somebody that is closer to another person so we can receive a better favor, a better position. So this woman goes to Jesus and very respectful, she kneels before Jesus and exposed the request. Jesus, I want to have a favor from you. I want you to place my two sons John and James, so James and John, if you prefer, one at the right hand and the other one at your left hand, when your kingdom will come. So, as much as retaining that request, we have to give some respect to Salome, because she understood that Jesus was a king, and his kingdom was coming. Now, as much this request was uh, something that Jesus didn't approve, we will see how Jesus didn't rebuke that matter. But he addresses directly the two sons. And uh, he's asking a question very important. Are you ready to drink the cup that I'm drinking? And right away, John and James say, yes, we will do. But they missed to understand the meaning that it was under the cup. When Jesus was saying, I'm drinking the cup... It was talking about the cup of sufferings. It was talking about the death. It was talking about the crucifixion. It was talking about sufferings for the gospel. And many times, my brothers and sisters, we are saying yes to God without understanding the significance and the consequence of that yes to God. If we look at the uh, chapter that will follow in the story of the church, we understand that they drank the cup. According to the scriptures, James was the first disciple to be killed. And most probably John was the last one that died among the disciples between 95 and 100 after the birth of Jesus Christ. But the moment they didn't understand the meaning of what was that yes. And I pray this morning that when we approach Jesus Christ, we understand that we commit our lives to saying yes to him. I share this with the baptismal class, that when we say yes to Jesus and we give our testimony publicly, being baptized in the water, we are saying yes and it's a full commitment to follow Jesus. Because if we are not full, ready, committed to follow Jesus, we will take just a bath, nothing more. So there is something deep on that. Following Jesus means commitment. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German Lutheran pastor that was a martyr during the Nazi regime, he died. He was executed just a few weeks before the American troops make German free. He says something in the book, The Cost of Discipleship, a book that I encourage you to read. He says this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. 
There is a responsibility in following Jesus. There is commitment that comes with the call. And when you understand that the person that is calling you, then you understand the privilege comes with the call, but also the responsibility to follow him and to be faithful until the end. The same Jesus wants to say, is good for those who start to work with him and their journey with faith. But starting without finishing doesn't bring any benefit. Only those who will end their lives serving God will benefit of the blessing of eternal life. And my brothers and sisters, as we approach the week of the crucifixion, the resurrection, celebration, we want to keep our mind focused on what Jesus did and the commitment that he had towards us. He was full committed in the last week of his life to go to Jerusalem to die. He was full aware of the fact that his life will be given to in ransom for many, as he said in verse 28. But he was faithful until the end. Because he, his heart was to please God the Father. His heart was pleased to accomplish the way of salvation for humankind. And today we are here because Jesus was faithful. And he had the willingness to fulfill the mission of the Father as a servant. Jesus at the bottom line is saying to his own disciples... Are you willing to sacrifice everything that is dear to you in order to follow me? If the answer is yes, then you can also have the reward. But if your answer is no, that reward will never be yours. That's the bottom line of that question. And my encouragement to all of us is that we embrace faith with the desire to be faithful to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no turning back. We sing the beautiful chorus. Remember? And I would encourage you to go and find a beautiful story behind that little chorus that we sing. It's a story of faithfulness under the stress of persecution. If it is morning you have no find Jesus in your heart. If it is morning you have the anguish in your heart. You have the desire, the longing for significance. Look up to Jesus. Call him. Ask him to be your savior. Ask him to serve you. To bless you with his life. He will be the one to teach you. Hallelujah. And the second point is servanthood is the path for greatness or to greatness. The request of James and John brought this unity among the disciples. The other ten, when they heard the request that John and James made, they were indignant. But here we show the misery of the heart of the humankind. They were not indignant because the content of what John and James have requested to Jesus. But most probably because they want to be at that place. That's why they were upset. We want to have the place too. Who are you to have the place? So there was this unity. There was a, a reaction that brought commotion among the disciples. And Jesus is taking that occasion to show the best way for greatness. And this morning, this is the message for us also. Jesus draws their attention to an illustration that was very, very practical in their eyes. 
It speaks about the ruler of the nations. It's an expression to define all the other Gentiles people, those who were not Jewish. You know how the ruler of the nations, the rule. They know how cruel the Romans were in the way they were occupying the, the land of Israel. They knew how cruel that occupation can be. So when Jesus said, you know how the ruler of the nations are ruling among you, they understood the point. Jesus said, you shouldn't do like them. I have a better way to show the greatness, the way that you should lead, the way that you should uh, behave when you have a, a position of leadership. If you want to be a leader, you must be a slave. A servant of all. There is no heavier words than being a slave. Because a slave has no authority. Is depending on the authority of his master. He has no right. He must do what the master say. So Jesus is saying, if you want to be the greatest among yourselves, you must be the greatest servant. You must be a slave. A slave. And this doesn't mean that Jesus was denying the need of leadership among the disciples on the church. But it was pointing to the heart of the man that is leading, the woman that's leading. You must serve. You must serve. And now he indicates the pathway. Because I came to serve and not to be served. Now think one moment at the significance of these words. If Jesus that was the son of God. If Jesus was a God made flesh for us, is revealing to us that he came not to be served but to serve others, how much more we should imitate his life? How much more we should come to serve and not to be served? How much more we should give our lives to the service of others and not try to fulfill our own desires and ambitions? Jesus saying this among the people that were close to him. And I believe it is among the church people in a very particular way. If we want to be in a position of leadership, we must be servants of others. We must serve others. We must take the position of the lowest, lowest place. So if we are doing so at the right moment, God will lift us up. The word of God says that God Resist to the proud, but give mercy and grace to the humble. And we must personify this statement of the word of God. We must be a reflection of God's life in us. The Christ life in us should be reflected to our life of service to others. This is what God is telling us this morning. Jesus himself personified the true model of greatness by being the servant of all. Again, he was God. He is God, but he came to serve. I love what verse 28 says because it summarized the whole Christian message. Jesus said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus was the great is saying to us that he came to serve. Christ the innocent suffered in the place of the guilty. And you and I were guilt. You and I were sinners. But he came to set us free. 
John chapter 8 verse 34 says that we are slave. We are sinners. Slave to sin. But Jesus came to set us free. His truth shall set us free indeed. That's the beautiful message and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we need to understand that without Christ we are lost in our sins. But because of Christ we can be free from the power of sins. And as we are being delivered from the power of sins. We allow the character of Jesus Christ to rule our heart. And we become servant of others. This is what God needs to see in us. The character of Jesus Christ should lead us. The character of Jesus Christ should bring us in a position of servants. Of be servant and be able to serve others. And this brings to the third point. Servanthood defines the Christian way of living. Because through authority arises out of servanthood. We cannot be in authority if we are not willing to serve others. Here Jesus is attacking the concept of authority in per se. But he's simply saying the pathway that I give it to you as authority and leadership is different. Jesus said even if the ruler of the nations, they rule according to their own standard, yet it shall not be so among you. It means that we have to be different. And when Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he's talking about the relationship between husband and wife as a reflection of the relationship between Jesus and the church, he said these words in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It means that our submission to the mutual submission that we have is based on the person and the reverence of Jesus Christ. It means that we are walking according to the path that Jesus Christ defined for us. If we want to be follower of Jesus Christ, if we want to be defined by the person of Jesus Christ, we must follow his path. And his path is a path of servanthood. We are called to follow him in every, in every steps that he took. He is the model, we say before. We are helpless without him. But with him, we can achieve great and mighty things. And that's the hope that we have. And this is the key. When Jesus called us to be a servant, he also will empower us to become a servant. It's not just calling us to do something without giving us the strength to do what he's calling us to do. So we need to reflect that. We are called to take the cross. We are called to embrace what he has done for us. This morning we have another cross that we place on our platform. It's a reminder that he took the cross for us. We were supposed to be on that cross. But he took our place. And he said this in Luke chapter 9 verse 23 and 24. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life 
for my sake will save it. How we become servant? Denying yourself. Embracing the cross. Embracing what Jesus did for us. He became servant to all. He became ransom to all. This is what God is asking for us to consider. Take up our cross. Take up the way of servanthood. Become servant. We need to practice Jesus' call to serve others. We must renew our minds and strive for Jesus' greatness way. We must renew our mind. We receive so much pressure from the world, from our culture. If you go in a bookstore, you will see all shelves full of books saying, this is the way out you reach success. Suddenly you will see few books, if nothing, exposed to say, learn how to serve others. Learn to become a slave. I don't think I never saw a book like that. But it's what Jesus is saying. As we deny ourselves, as we embrace the person of Jesus Christ, we discover a new way of greatness. God will give us the stamina to become a reflection of his grace. And what is impossible with our own strength becomes possible because his Holy Spirit works in us. And it will give us the ability to serve others. We'll learn how to magnify the name of God. We learn how to be emulator of Jesus Christ by serving others. Now try to imagine something. Jesus was the son of God. However, the writer to the Hebrews is saying something very important. In chapter 5, verse 8 to 9, it says, Although Jesus was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Because of his obedience, because he's willing to serve others and to serve you and I, Jesus became the source of eternal salvation for those who obey him. So we have this perfect example this morning. Let me tell you that it's crucial that we understand the path of servanthood. Because it will transform us to the image of Jesus Christ. You know, more I walk with God, more clear is to me that the most important truth that we can receive from God are not hidden in deep meditations or years of studying the Bible. And one morning the light will be on and you will discover the hidden truth. No, the Bible exposed very clearly the most important truth for you and I. And being a servant to others is one of the most clear teaching that Jesus has left to all of us. So if we want to emulate and imitate Jesus Christ, we must become servant. You know what will be the great testimony that we can give? Oh, that man is the servant of God, is the servant of others. I remember growing up in church when we were referring to a person in authority in church, like the pastor, the elder, we say, the servant of the Lord. <laughs> that was the expression to define the person. 
And I pray, brothers and sisters, that our community, our church, will grow with the desire to serve one another. I pray that the Lord will give us the ability to be leaders in servanthood. I pray that God will humble ourselves in a way that we can be glorified through our service to others. And this is here in our church family, when we care for one another, when we submit to one another, but also in the community. Many times we ask why we have to invest in the community, why we have to serve others, because we are children of Jesus Christ. And because we emulate him. It's our desire to bless our community. It's our desire to bless other people. When last year we had the big give, by the way, we will have it again, big give event on the, uh, the first Saturday of the month of June. I remember we were in the parking lot and uh, we were giving for free a lot of items from furnitures to other stuff, washing the car for free to other people. And I remember this man came to talk to me and he said, why are you doing this for free? For him, it was unthinkable that we were doing something freely. And I said, because we love Jesus. And because Jesus loves the community, we also love the community. And we want to be servant. The church is the reflection of Jesus Christ. Jesus was servant until the end. We must serve one another. Let me wrap this message with a final application this morning. Servanthood means moving beyond good intentions. Can you imagine if Jesus had the good intention to die on the cross? And then while he was approaching Calvary, he would say, oh, it's not easy. It's not easy bearing the sins of all humankind. And technically, he had that temptation. When he prayed in the Gethsemane, if you remember, he prayed, Lord, Father, if you can, remove from me this cup, but not my will, but thy will will be done. He moved from good intention to reality, to practice what was his good intention. And I believe that as a Christians, we must win our culture because our culture rejects servanthood. Say, so if you can take advantage, do it. If you can have a better position, Putting your feet on top of another person. Do it. It's good. What is important is you reach your goals. This is the culture. Jesus said, be the carpet where other people put their feet. Serve others. In other terms, my brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you with this. Get busy for God. I love this quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a great preacher. He said, I believe that many professing Christians are cold and uncomfortable because they are doing nothing for their own Lord. But if they actively serve Him, their blood will begin to circulate spiritually and it will be well with them. More we serve others, more spiritual energy comes in our veins. And I find that many people are cold in their spiritual walk with God because they are not willing to do something for God. They are not willing to serve others. They are not willing to move towards an active walk with Christ. Then look for ways this week on how you can serve God. It is nearly 
always impossible to serve others if we care about what people will say. If we care about position more than people. Let's be agent of Christ. As we celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are reminder to the world that Jesus came to serve. And as you serve others, you show that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Be creative. Have a meeting. You and God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And say, help me to find a new creative way that I can serve others. So people will see that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Today, people that don't need to hear a new message. Words are so many, especially in the religious realm. We hear so many talking about good things. What makes attractive for a person to hear a message that is given to them is the action. And there is no more attractive message than the message of being a servant to others. Call somebody this week. How can I serve you? Can you do something today? If you are married, ask your spouse, how can I serve you this week? Maybe a simple gesture to remove the garbage. I say to you, God is not asking us to do things that are impossible. The simple things are very approachable for all of us. Can I wash the dishes for you, honey, today? If you are a father, maybe your son needs a lift. And I say, can I serve you and I give you a lift? Instead to take the bus, I will bring you. If there is a brother or sister in Christ that is in a car, give a call and say, can I bring you to church? What I can do for you? If you have a friend that you know there is a need, call that person. If there is something that you know that is going through stressful moments, bless him with something that will give a release. I know that we have couples here with small children. And sometimes it's so hard to find a babysitter. Can you call the person, the couple and say, you know, brother, sister, I want to give you an evening for you and your wife. Can I be your babysitter? Find the creative ways that you can serve others. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring in a very practical way what servanthood means. You will be blessed. When you do an action of servanthood, you will touch the heart of the person. You will impact him in a different way. There is something beautiful that comes as we live the life of Christ in our lives. Third application for you and I this morning. Let's be defined by the way we serve others. A servant heart becomes the expression of who we are. And now we have found significance in our lives. It is a priority for our lives to choose to be servant. And again, as we contemplate what Jesus has done for us, let's follow the example of Jesus Christ. Let's be ready. Let's be ready to embrace the path of servanthood. Let's be ready to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. I encourage you to pray the same prayer that I give to the Lord every morning. Lord, I'm here. Thank you for the life that you've given today. Make me a blessing for other people because you already blessed me. Give me opportunity for serving others. And God will take seriously the prayer because it will make ways for you to show that you can be a blessing to others. Can we do so? Can we be an expression of God's love for this world? We are the church. We are His people. We are the light. This world needs people that will bring hope in their hearts. 
because Jesus is giving us purpose. We don't need to find other things to fill the gap. His presence is the one that fills us. Can we stand in the presence of God?